By listening to the Conscious Fertility Podcast, you agree to not use this podcast as medical advice to treat any medical condition in either yourself or others. Consult your own physician or healthcare provider for any medical issues that you may be having. This entire disclaimer also applies to any guests or contributors to the podcast. Welcome to Conscious Fertility, the show that listens to all of your fertility questions so that you can move from fear and suffering to peace of mind and joy. My name is Lauren Brown. I'm a doctor of traditional Chinese medicine and a clinical hypnotherapist. I'm on a mission to explore all the paths to peak fertility and joyful living. It's time to learn how to be and receive so that you can create life on purpose. So today we're going to talk about changing an infertile mindset to a fertile mindset. What is receptivity with Dr. Randine Lewis? And it's so perfect that we're having this discussion today for you guys, because Randine holds a very special place in my heart, in my life, in my profession. For those that don't know Randine, she's the author of The Infertility Cure, The Way of the Fertile Soul, and then her two new books, Spirit of the Blood is coming out in August of 2022, and Birthing the Tao of the Summer of 2023. Randine was my first mentor back in early 2000s, 2001, 2002, somewhere around there. I didn't know it then. I thought I was learning from Randine how to use acupuncture and Chinese medicine when it comes to treating infertility. But now, at the time of this recording, I realized that she was teaching me conscious fertility all along. I wasn't in a place to see it, receive it. But like our podcast is called Conscious Fertility, Receiving Life on purpose with shifts in my mindset, um, I'm able to see now all of the pearls and wisdom that Randine gave me back in 2002. <laughs> and so Randine, thank you for um, coming on and, and sharing some thoughts and ideas with us today. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you, Lauren. It's so good to be here. You know, I don't know if you know how we met and we got to get into the discussion for, for our audience because they really oh. want to know like, how to change their mindset because a lot of them are looking to receive that life on purpose yeah. to conceive. Yeah. But back in 2002, early in my practice, a woman came to me saying, can you help uh, treat me? I'm going through an IVF cycle. And in 2002, my response to her was, I would love to help you. Can you first tell me what IVF is? <laughs> so so that's, I've come a long way since then. And she said, I'm flying out to Houston because that's where you used to practice. And it doesn't make sense to fly out weekly from Vancouver, BC to Houston to receive acupuncture and to have my herbs. Would you be willing to put the points in where Randine Lewis tells you to and prescribe the herbs that Randine Lewis tells you to? And I thought that was a great opportunity to have mentorship and learn. And I believe I was your first one-on-one -on -one student and we developed that mentorship from you and friendship. And so that's how I know Randine. And uh, I'm so glad to have you talk to us about changing infertile mindset to a fertile mindset. Now, the women that are listening, you know their history. You've been a practitioner. You still are a practitioner, but you had an active practice. Then you went to holding retreats for patients. And then you went for holding retreats for practitioners that are seeing the patients looking for fertility optimization. So share with us what words of wisdom and advice you have. Well, it's a tall order. One of the things that strikes me is just our own evolution through this. When we were, you know, 
20 some years ago, 25 years ago, whatever, <laughs> like there was, there was more of a sense of, you know, I will do these points, I will prescribe these herbs, everything was like a how to that if you do this, and if you do this, and if you stop doing this, and if you do a little more of this, and a little less of this, you'll be closer to fertility. And, you know, now, 2022, I certainly have gotten to a very different place of my understanding of fertility. What is fertility? How do you open up that field of allowance so that life can come through you? It's a much bigger conversation. And while all of these things that we do with acupuncture, with herbs, with diet, with lifestyle adjustments, with nutritional supplements, with Qigong, with meditation, with IVF, you know, IVF to certainly manipulate, but all of these other things are ways to enhance one's fertility to, you know, kind of downregulate the sympathetic nervous system, upregulate the parasympathetic nervous system, you know, kind of cleanse the blood of some of the toxins, hormonal toxins, things that get in the way of harmonious endocrine system. And so all of those are very true. But to me, they're about 20% of what fertility is. The other 80% that I've seen throughout my practice, and this is why I've gone from, you know, working in a clinical setting to going on retreats and, you know, because I've found that it wasn't so much about the how-to. You know, we're all masters of how-to. We know how to take things. We know how to exercise differently. We know how to do yoga. We know how, we know all of these things. We're masters of that. But there comes a time when, and it's usually quite disturbing for the one that's going through the fertility treatments or who's having challenges with their fertility, when they come to this place of, I'm doing all of this stuff and it's not working. A real, you know, kind of surrender to the recognition that all of this doing isn't making the difference. It, it Again, it probably makes 20% difference. But that 80% I have found is more of a mindset. It's more of a way of being. It's more of a way of viewing the world, viewing my life, myself, how I relate with the world, how receptive I am to things as they are? How do I draw the force of life into my life? You know, in fact, if we put it in terms that are more in lines of fertility, how do I draw a new soul into my life? And I remember, and this ties into this, about this beingness, that early in the days when I was at one of your courses, you talked about what we call it, the jing, the essence in Chinese medicine. So this is the physicality, youthfulness. So women in their 20s or early 30s. And then there's the shen, the spirit, which you're talking about, this beingness, where we see a lot of women in their late 30s or up to their mid 40s. And you once said that, you know, these younger women, they cannot have their life in order, but they can conceive because they have such strong jing. They have the physical side. And that for women in their 40s, in order to have these babies, the shen has to be so strong. Basically, you said 
you have to have your shit together. And women tend to have their shit together after 40. Usually life does that to you. And you talked about that if you don't have age on your side, then the spirituality, this beingness, this ability to allow flow and receptivity is what's going to create the miracle where you're going to defy what science says to help bring in life. Can you talk to that a bit more? Yes, actually, the, you know, the Jing or the essence in, in Chinese medicine, we call it the essence. And this is kind of the starting point. If you could view your reproductive life <laughs> at the beginning, when you first, you know, start having periods, you have a lot of this essence, you have like this hormonal overflow. And so it doesn't take a lot of wisdom, <laughs> but in order to produce life in Chinese medicine, it's the heart and the heart houses the spirit, the shen, the consciousness. And that is what ignites the essence to produce life. And we're speaking very metaphorically here. It wasn't something metaphoric back then, but there's, there's something internally that allows manifestation to come into being. And so the shen, the consciousness, the spirit of, of who we are ignites the essence. And so it's this interaction of spirit and essence that produces life. And so when we're, you know, 16, 26, 30, the, the essence is strong. But the spirit is weak. And, and by spirit, I mean consciousness, the wisdom, that aspect that knows that there's something more than my finite existence here, that I'm not just this physical being with this um, history that I call me. There's something beyond that I have access to. And in Chinese medicine, you know, we, we say that the, the qi follows the mind. And the mind is an aspect of spirit, and they call it the heart mind. It's, we're not talking here about just how I think, how I use my brain, but it's the literal, the mind of the heart and the mind of the body that includes my psyche, it includes my emotional makeup, it includes my subconscious activities. It's not just my conscious thinking mind. It includes the other side as well. And the chi or the energy follows that. So when I'm in my 20s and I have all of this essence, it doesn't take a lot of chi or a lot of shen to bring into being. But later on, I better be more aware and more conscious of how I'm using my essence how I'm viewing the world, how I'm looking at myself, how I'm following my destiny. And I hope we get into the discussion about receptivity because we're still talking about kind of shifting a mindset here. But how I'm using my consciousness in my life, not only in my fertility, but in my life. And so, a lot of the work that I have done with people is really examining the ways that we have shut off the life force by the ways that we're living our lives out of harmony with what nature intended in order for life to come through. And there's more of a demand for that, the more mature one is. And that's just one of the, the laws of life, that as you go through 
you know, a few more turns of the sun, you, you're invited to be more conscious and to be more present and to show up more for your life so that the chi can follow that so that you're enhancing the chi, you're enhancing your mind, you're enhancing your consciousness. You're not just blindly saying, how can I get a baby? And so can you talk then on receptivity? Because what I'm hearing is what we think, which we did when we were younger, is if I just effort a little bit more on the outside, you know, if I just take a few more uh, supplements or a little bit more drugs in the IVF, if I just do more, I may be able to force this baby to come to me. And what I think you're suggesting on receptivity is more of an allowing process and the efforting that is being efforted is inner work. It's your efforting on the inside, not so much in the outside. So can you talk a bit about how consciousness and allowing or receptivity, sometimes these women have these miracles happen to them and what happens to the women that still don't have a baby that come through them? The entire endocrine system, the reproductive system is based upon the concept of receptivity, not activity. So every time a hormone is released into the system, in order for the cells, for it to make a difference to the cells, the cells have to have this receptor on the surface that takes in the message of the hormone that induces the changes inside the cell. So this receptor is what governs the entire endocrine system. And this receptor is a quality that we call, we call yin. It's just taking in, it's receiving. It's like, you know, eating, drinking water. It's like there's a passive quality to it, but it's not passive at all. Because as soon as this receiving happens, then it sets in motion all of these internal activities. And so receptivity is, it's kind of contrary to taking action to make things happen. To me, the mindset of infertility looks a little bit like, what do I do? How do I do it? When do I do it? How do I make it happen? Who's going to help me make it happen? Who am I going to go to? What about this? What do I take? What, what day of the month am I most receptive? All of that has an anxious component to it. It's kind of stirs us into a sympathetic dominance. It makes our adrenal glands dominant. It makes norepinephrine and cortisol dominant. And those stress hormones are antagonistic to the fertility hormones, to estrogen and follicle-stimulating hormone and progesterone and all of those. So physiologically, there's a lot of data to back that up. But receptivity as a mindset, what does that look like? You know, I can understand these things that deciding to have children, trying to conceive, even those terms are somewhat confusing because they're not a part of how life comes into being. There is no deciding for life to come through. There is no trying for fertility to happen. That it happens according to its own laws. And we can put ourselves into these states where we're kind of in the flow of the laws of nature. 
and there's an allowing that comes through. So receptivity as a mindset begins with understanding that, that my trying isn't going to make it happen, that my trying and failing and it's not working brings me into a state of fear. And the more fearful I am, the more I try to control my environment because I don't like being out of control. I don't like the possibility that this may not happen in the way that I predict it to happen. So the tendency is to become more controlling, to kind of rev up those adrenal hormones. So first, I encourage individuals to start to notice when you are in that trying mode, trying to make it happen. How do I do this? How do I feel how it impacts your system? Feel how it revs things up. It's a little stressful. Things tighten. Your musculature tightens. The energies all go up into your throat and your neck and your head. And nothing's going to the uterus and to the ovaries. And so first, it's just noticing that. Noticing the physiologic effects of that infertile mindset. And then turning that into receptivity. First, I need to be receptive. I need to take myself in. I'm receptive to myself. I see how this way of being has not served me. And I become receptive. Now I start to not only recognize, but I can interrupt when I'm in that state of anxiety. And that state of anxiety is what pulls all of the energy up into the upper body and takes it out of the lower body. You also said something about, you know, what is this state where like the miraculous comes through? When we default, you know, those those women that you've witnessed, I've witnessed, where on paper, they're told they're not going to get pregnant. Their age, their hormones, their history says, this isn't going to happen. And yet, it happens. The outliers. And I love that. There's something about that that I have witnessed throughout my career. Two things can happen. when. When somebody puts their fertility in the hands of the doctor, in the hands of somebody else, and the reproductive endocrinologist says, well, based on your age and your FSH and your AMH and your antral follicle count, you know, you've got a 0.5 chance of conceiving on your own. Now, one of two things can happen. And the first thing is like, they become smaller. They're like, oh, no, they become small and fearful oh no, it's never going to work. What can you do for me? Can I do donor? Is there any hope? What? And they become perhaps more receptive to more intervention, <laughs> but otherwise they become less hopeful, kind of smaller and more fearful. Another thing that happens is that they give up trying. It's like when somebody says, you know, this isn't going to work for you anymore. Well, that's a terrible message to hear and a terrible message to receive. One of the things that happens is it's like a big internal exhale, like, oh, I can stop trying. They finally surrender. When we look at these outliers, the question is, yeah, there's, there's always the outliers. In the West, um, they tend to try and ignore. And in conscious fertility and Chinese medicine, we're like, how do we find out what they did so more people can can have that. And what I'm observing is 
that you can surrender. And most of us surrender like you're sharing when you're brought to your knees. It's so dark and so bad that you finally give up and that makes you receptive. But wow, that's a really traumatic, tough, difficult place to get there, but it gets you there. It's a very effective way to get you there. And I'm thinking, is there a way to do this consciously where you can get to the same place of letting go and surrendering to being receptive? And that process can actually be a positive, enjoyable journey. So we have one way you're brought to your knees and you're forced to let go. That's kind of how humanity has done it. And then there's a few people who have figured out that they can get to that letting go, but they can be proactive, maybe may not be the right word since we're talking about receptivity, but can you talk on this? Yes, because as far as the body goes, letting go, surrendering and giving up are the same things. It's just, it quits trying. It quits going through the stress and the anxiety of, I'm going to make this happen. That mental urgency stops. So when that mental urgency stops, there's an internal letting go. When I used to have retreats, I remember one retreat, I was talking about this earlier today. We started doing themes for retreats. And one theme that we did early on, the theme was on letting go. and. A woman arrived at retreat and she saw that the theme was letting go. And she said, wait a minute. I didn't know this was a letting go retreat. I didn't come here to let go. I came here to have a baby. And that typifies the mindset that letting go is contrary. Like in our nervous systems, it is so programmed that if we let go, it won't happen. It's the biggest lie. It's the biggest fallacy in fertility that if I don't make it happen, it's not going to happen. So how do I rectify that internally, in my heart, in my mind, I feel it's a lie if I say, I'm going to let go and it's going to happen on its own. Now, that's, that's not true either. One of the reasons we don't believe that is because everything that we've ever achieved came out of this, if I focus on what's missing, and I put all of my effort into getting it, I'm going to get it. And so that's why our minds and our bodies and everything within us resists that idea. Now, as far as consciousness goes, when we're speaking about another level, when I'm focusing on what's missing in the field of consciousness, what I'm doing is I'm sending these messages out of frantic, urgent, anxious fear. I'm going to get this thing. I'm going to get this thing. I'm going to get this thing. Now, that might work if what you're going to get is a million dollars or, you know, I'm going, to, I'm going to get this physical thing. As far as the physiology of the heart, mind, body, that doesn't work. When I'm focusing on what's missing, my body is in such a state of stress. There's no possible way that it can be receptive to life. So, we start to notice the mental urgency. We start to really attend to a different level of consciousness. We're not attending to how do I make this happen? How do I do this? I'm noticing when I'm getting in the way. That's how we learn to let go. I start to pay attention where I'm holding on, where I'm tightening, where I'm getting this mental urgency. We're not in the business of 
making babies. We don't grow babies inside of us. We open to the life force. And I open to the life force in other ways. I'm not sitting around and looking at baby pictures. Like what enlivens me? What opens up my heart into this state of calm, joyous receptivity? where I am so immersed in the process of being alive, I can hardly stand it. I need more of this. Like here I am in this moment, I'm noticing my breath. I'm noticing the tingling in my hands and my feet. I'm noticing the fact of my own existence. I'm noticing that I am, that I am breathing, I am speaking, I am having such reverence for my own life, that it draws in that life force. There's more of it. The more I start focusing on what's already here in my body, in my mind, in my life, the more enlivened I am by it. My heart starts to open and my whole nervous system settles down. There's a calmness, just like when we do Qigong. There's a calm and yet it's vitalizing. We fill up with energy. And this idea that you are sharing about the receptivity and this idea of, of trying so hard is going to the part where the woman came to your retreat and didn't want to let go. Sometimes it's just the languishing here. And what I have found with the women I've been working with and bringing in conscious fertility is letting them know they can still want the baby. We're not telling them because we're, we're lying if they pretend they don't want it. It goes from needing, craving this baby. And it be, so it's a form of surrendering, like ex, uh, letting go of the need of it. And it's a practice. It's a discipline. There's tools for this. There's meditations for this. There's Qigong for this, but it's a subtle thing. And when we're working with the mind, it's hard to, to see and measure this, but there's a subtle difference between needing and craving and surrendering to not having this baby. And that's the receptivity part. You still want it, but you let go of having to have it. I refer to it as wanting in a different way. That I used to chart on retreat, like what is your, on a scale of one to 10, what is your desire for a child right now? And almost everybody was like, you know, maybe nine out of 10, most were 10 out of 10. And so, you know, they had been told previously part of the process of letting go is that you desire less. You start focusing on other things in your life so that they would try to falsely put them in that state by like, okay, I guess I only wanted three out of 10 because I really love my life and I love my husband and I love my dog. And, and it's like, no, if it's a 10 out of 10, you get to keep it a 10 out of 10. I love Khalil Gibran's phrase that your children are not your children. They are the sons and daughters of life's longing for itself. So life's longing for itself comes through me at a 10 out of 10. Now, it's not my job to, you know, put a damper on that. And you so life's longing <laughs> for itself. It's like, how do I honor that and not get in the way, in the way of it? It's kind of like intention without tension. Pretty much. But my my intention isn't even necessary here. This longing for life does not need to be reinterpreted by my mind into how am I going to make this happen. That's where it starts turning into tension. 
that now I think I'm the one with the desire. The desire is coming from me, not through me. And I'm responsible for making it happen, finding the right doctor, because I've already been told it's not going to happen. But that's the mindset that caused the fear to cause the sympathetic dominance to reduce the blood flow to my ovaries and my uterus in the first place. Once I honor and can trust that this longing for life is coming through me, not by mistake, but how do I flow with it in the rest of my life? Not make it number one. That's one thing. It gets to be a 10 out of 10 out of the 100 different things of my life. (laughs) So if it's 10 out of 10 and it's the only thing of my life, then I'm screwed. But if it's 10 out of 10 and I'm allowing this longing for life to be manifested in 100 different ways, then I'm enhancing it. I'm honoring it. I'm not having to manipulate and play with it and play games with myself and pretend and do biofeedback and hypnosis to try to lessen the desire. For so many people, they feel guilty they have the desire or the want for this child, and then they think they're interfering because they have this want. I want to talk about your personal experience. You talk about this in your courses and you talk about this in your book, but you had challenges with fertility. Can you share them? Because I think as a listener, I'd be wondering, okay, I got to become receptive now. So. And it sounds kind of paradoxical as we're talking about being and receptivity. And yet we know, because you've been there yourself. Yeah. yeah. What do I need to do next then? Because you're saying don't do B. And yet they're like, but I got to do something. And so what, what advice do you have for the listeners of, okay, they want this baby. And if being receptive and conscious and being will help them have this baby, then they'll become more, they'll do what they can do to become conscious receptive, which is totally paradoxical on one level, but you talked earlier with me off camera. It's not paradoxical on another level. Yang turns, right. into, yang, it turns into yang. I, I think some people would want some um, how-to ideas. First of all, you know, the reason that I can talk so freely about this is because I was like the type AAA plus, just, I will do it right. I will do it correct. You tell me how to do it and I'm going to master it. And all of those things were failing me. And it really, it, to a certain extent, it brought me to my knees, but in a very good way, because this is what opened me, you know, this was at a time I was studying Western medicine. I, you know, I'd already gone through medical school. And so I knew a lot about medicine. I knew a lot about Western medicine. I knew a lot about the how-tos and, and I was pretty smart, but I was opened to the possibility of Chinese medicine, which I was totally skeptical about. I, I didn't think anything like that would work. I thought it was kind of hogwash because I didn't understand it. But I started going to acupuncture and, I st- and taking Chinese herbs. And I started noticing things were happening in my system that, you know, by the way, those half hour segments when I was on the acupuncture's table were probably the only times that I was relaxing throughout the day when I was not trying to figure out how to make this happen. So that taught me something. It's like, wow, I'm getting filled up in a deeper level here that I have never experienced before. And it opened the door for other things. Now, this was back when Chinese medicine was not popular. It was not the how-to for fertility. So I was really charting these things on my own. 
I started doing some meditation. I started doing Qigong. I started noticing how my own nervous system was kind of locked up in the chest. I didn't know how to breathe into my belly at that time. So I started doing Qigong. I'd go out in nature, bare feet, all of these weird things I was starting to do. I'd breathe into my belly. I learned to be open to what we call in Chinese medicine or in kind of Taoist circles, the subtle origins, where I started opening up to something that felt like this miraculous potential where I could almost see that's where life is coming from. That's where life wants to come through me. So I would go out by myself in nature and I would pay attention to that. And I, you know, I learned very few Qigong techniques at first, but I would move my body in a way that felt like it was in accordance with those subtle origins. Like, how can I move a little slower so that I can capture that? How can I root myself a little deeper? And it was like playing with that which preceded manifestation. So then I developed meditations and qigongs that I I taught to other people, and I still do those. But that's how it happened with me. Now, that didn't totally take me out of the do-do-do mindset. What took me out of that do-do-do mindset were a lot of failures, a lot of things that didn't work, miscarriages, things where I started to realize where life was teaching me, I can't make this happen. And there, there were a couple of times where that brought me to such a state of despair that something else opened up within me where I, it was just like, okay, I give, I give. And it wasn't in that way of, I give up. It, there was no, the despair preceded the surrender. When the surrender happened, there was such vibrancy to it, such hope to it. It was like, wow, I don't know what just happened to me, but I feel more fertile and alive and hopeful than I ever have before. And none of it tallies up with what they're telling me. Um, you know, I'm always several years behind you, Randina, as you're, somebody's been mentored by you. And the Qigong, we finally have at my clinic, Acubounce, a Qigong practitioner to work with fertility. So thank you. I know you told me a long time ago, but you finally arrived. What I'm hearing is your how to allow. What you did is you did some acupuncture and herbal and dietary. You got around nature. You learned meditation or you meditated. You brought did Qigong practice. And it, it worked, by the way. You, you have a lovely, lovely daughter, a lovely family. What about... Now, if you could go back to your younger self, that type A person that's going to do the acupuncture and the herbal, would you have any different advice for her? Is there anything different she would do? Because do you think your type A personality did a few months or years of that treatment? So you're doing everything, but you maybe weren't as conscious or enjoying the process because of the personality you were back then, because you're not that person today. No, I am not that person today, but what I went through That's one of the greatest gifts of my life is the failures that I have been through. Somebody somebody told me recently, if if something's worth doing, it's worth doing poorly, (laughs) which goes totally against my mindset. Like, I'm going to master it. I'm going to do it perfectly. 
But those those failures, those coming to my knees, the time when life pulled the rug out from under me, that's what it took for me to give up control. If I went back in any way, you know, being who I am right now, in that young woman who was desperately, desperately trying, thinking she was an old woman, thinking she was too old, thinking that it couldn't happen. I would wrap my arms around her and say, honey, you are doing it perfectly. You are doing perfectly. This is part of your destiny. This is part of the walk of life. You are going to learn much, much grander lessons here than what it takes to become a mother. You are going to learn some of the lessons of life that are going to turn you into a different mother, that are going to call in a vibration of the soul of the child of tomorrow, not the child that you would have reproduced from your old mindset. And it opened me up to a very different way of living, of being, of being with myself, being with life, and then being with my children. And I absolutely know, I mean, I've, I've talked to you a little bit about, you know, some of the challenges with, especially my son. I, I had some difficulty conceiving my, my last child. Everything that I went through prepared me to be his mother. And like, he, he is not a carbon copy. <laughs> well, none of my children are. But it's like, you know, again, Khalil Gibran says, these are the sons and daughters of the future. You know, they're coming from a different place. And it's our job to open up to that future potential, which allows them, it allows a higher vibration, a higher consciousness to come in. And if I'm not willing to bow to that, and to give up some of the controlling ways of my past, perhaps life doesn't want to come in at the ways that I used to be. And I had to learn that the hard way. And you change from an infertile mindset to a fertile mindset. I want to, for our listeners, that piece that you did, how you went back to your younger self and wrapped your arms around her and loved her unconditionally and accepted her her for who she is. When you did that, by the way, I got chills. And so the invitation for the listeners and just uh, a statement is that's conscious work, by the way, that's conscious fertility work. That is a tool. So the subconscious can tell the difference from imagination to reality. And so it's simple, these tools, and that is a tool of self-care. Of, that's a form of surrendering, of loving yourself unconditionally. You know, there's so many tools that you could do, but I would invite you to rewind that and listen to that piece there that Randine gave us, because that is pure conscious fertility work right there that we heard. And I'm curious if any of you got chills when she did that. And did anybody feel uncomfortable when she did that? Because then that lets you know there's something more to work if you're not able to receive that love, because this is what it's all about receptivity. There's going to be at least two reactions to that chills and just feeling relief and being able to take it in. And then some of you are going to get really uncomfortable and upset with that. And that lets you know now where there is a blockage and you're not able to receive. It's not that you did anything wrong and, and your reaction's wrong. It's feedback of yeah. what's going on for you. You know, if I would have heard that message in the midst of that, I'd have been so resistant to it. You know, receptivity 
includes, and I think the biggest part of it is receptivity to self, that self-compassion. Wherever you are on this journey, allowing yourself to be exactly there is the process that begins being receptive to yourself, not trying to force yourself to be any other way. So, and, and that opens up a vulnerability, which is quite uncomfortable, that it takes us out of the control seat and makes us feel, you know, makes a lot of people feel kind of squishy and out of control. And, and that's a good sign. If you've noticed the discomfort, that as soon as you notice that discomfort, that's a blockage that you're coming into. It doesn't mean you should be comfortable with this. It means you're coming into an area of resistance within you. And this is good. And this is good. You have to be willing to be uncomfortable to transform it. That's the paradoxical part, right? You have to accept the discomfort and accept where you're at. And then when you truly can accept it, then you can change it. <laughs> That's what's so paradoxical, right? <laughs> but you can't surrender because you want to change it. That's the, the, the nervous system, the consciousness, spiritual, whatever you want. To, it's way too wise to fall for that trick. You truly have to surrender. And then you don't care. And then you can change if you want to. Randine, as always, I enjoy our conversations. I'm going to extend the invitation to have you come back and share more. We got to talk about men and conscious fertility and, and to the women that are struggling with men that are participating in this journey and just more and more unconsciousness because there's so much to talk about receptivity. And um, if you want to connect with Randine um, through her wisdom, she has um, two books related to fertility for the public and fertility cure. And it's the seat of the fertile soul, if I'm remembering correctly off the top of my head. So I say that correctly? It's, it's the infertility cure and the way of the fertile soul. The way are, of the fertile soul. Yeah, those are both for the public. And then the books for practitioners are Spirit of the Blood coming out this year and Birthing the Tao, which comes out in 2023. And then if you're um, a practitioner of Chinese medicine and acupuncture, um, Randine has multiple fertility training courses on healthy seminars. And we'll have you back again on conscious fertility so people can um, receive life on purpose. Wonderful. <laughs> Thanks, Lauren. If you're looking for support to grow your family, contact AccuBalance Wellness Center. At AccuBalance, they help you reach your peak fertility potential through their integrative approach using low-level laser therapy, fertility acupuncture, and naturopathic medicine. Download the AccuBalance Fertility Diet and Dr. Brown's video for mastering manifestation and clearing subconscious blocks. Go to AccuBalance.ca. That's A-C-U-Balance.ca. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Conscious Fertility, the show that helps you receive life on purpose. Please take a moment to subscribe to the show and join the community of women and men on their path to peak fertility and choosing to live consciously on purpose. I would love to continue this conversation with you, so please direct message me on Instagram at Lauren Brown Official. That's Instagram, Lauren Brown Official. Or you can visit my websites, laurenbrown.com and acubalance.ca. Until the next episode, stay curious and for a few moments, bring your awareness to your heart center and breathe.